What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I just spoke that phrase over and over again to the people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Stop crying, people. Stop weeping. Hey, you over there, please, please stop crying. Number one, your crying face is horribly ugly. And two, remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, you're probably thinking, like me, why are the people crying? And I thought we were in the book of Nehemiah. Why is Ezra here? Well, remember, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah originally were one book. Modern Bibles separate them out, but back when they were written, they were one book because they pretty much cover the same material just from different vantage points. Nehemiah never shows up in the book of Ezra, but Ezra shows up in Nehemiah's story. And Ezra is all about rebuilding the temple, while Nehemiah's story is all about rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. There are parts of the same story, but completely different in other parts. So that's why they were originally written as one book, Ezra and Nehemiah. Well, Ezra shows up in Nehemiah's story, and here Ezra is teaching the people of Jerusalem all about the law. In fact, the people of Israel have been standing for the past six hours listening to Ezra read the book of the law. The people stood for six hours. Can you imagine that? Standing for six hours, the people of Israel were that hungry to hear from God, to hear the words of the Lord to them. See, the walls were complete, and the people were back in Jerusalem. Now remember that a number of the Jews had returned from exile, but only about 2% of the total Jewish population that were in exile decided to return from Babylon and to head back home to the promised land and the city of Jerusalem. Well, that 2%, they had accomplished a lot, right? They had rebuilt the temple under Ezra, and, and now they had rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem under Nehemiah, and now they could finally live in safety in Jerusalem. They had worship. You know, they could worship at the temple, which they rebuilt. And now they were safe. They had walls around the city. They had safety. In fact, Nehemiah 7, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 7, recounts a genealogical record of all the families that had returned and that were now living in and around Jerusalem. Many of those families listed in Nehemiah 7 were also living outside the city walls, but some were inside the city walls. In fact, because space was so limited inside the city walls, they had to draw lots to find out who would be the lucky Jewish people to live inside the walls of Jerusalem. Well, 
after the lots were drawn and the people were settled inside and, and outside the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah called for a public reading of the law. Which meant he wanted Ezra to read the first five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So Nehemiah built a large wooden platform and had Ezra stand on the platform. And beside him were six men on one side of him and six men on the other side of him. And from that platform, Ezra read the law. Now this platform was built in front of the water gate. And in front of the water gate was a large open air square with the temple back in the distance. So the water gate was facing the square that led eventually to the temple. Now, in this square stood for six hours about thirty to 50,000 people. And Ezra stood up in front of them with those 12 men, six on the left side, six on the right side. And he then opened the book of Genesis, placed it on a pulpit of some kind, and began to read from it. And while he read from it, certain Levitical priests wandered amongst the people explaining what Ezra was reading. So imagine Ezra's reading from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, verse 4. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning. And then one day, you know, he just goes on and on reading through the book of Genesis. And while he's reading, loudly enough so that thirty to 50,000 people could hear, these Levitical priests were walking amongst the people. Now, the people, when Ezra had stood up to read the law, also stood up. And they raised their hands to the air and said, Amen and Amen. And then they bowed to the ground, bowing to their God, Yahweh. Then they stood up, and that is when Ezra began to read. So these priests are milling about these people, walking, I imagine, from family group to family group, from clan to clan. And if someone had a question, they could ask one of these priests. So maybe someone from the tribe of Asher asked one of the priests, um, could you explain what it means when the Spirit of God hovered over the waters? Or maybe the priests were saying the same verses and threw in some explanation. You know, maybe they couldn't really hear Ezra, so they're walking around with their own copy, sort of copying and reading a little bit better what Ezra's saying, and then with a little bit of explanation thrown in. I don't know. Either way, the people stood and listened and thought about and contemplated the Word of God for six hours. And they started standing around, and they started this whole thing at the break of dawn. And they stood there for six hours until around noon. Sounds pretty boring, right? No pictures, no video, no cool PowerPoint package. You know, they just listened as Ezra read and the various priests explained. 
And what if Ezra had a monotone voice? Or or what if you were all the way at the back of the crowd of 30,000 and your right leg hurt from playing too much soccer the day before? You know, I, I mean, there's so many reasons to not listen. But instead of this being a logistical and public speaking nightmare, instead, something miraculous happened. The people began to cry. See, when the people heard the word of the Lord, when they heard God's law, and when they realized how guilty they were before God for breaking the laws contained in the book, they began to weep and mourn. They knew how their ancestors had broken many of the Ten Commandments, or or maybe they realized how much they had broken the law about keeping the Sabbath holy, or, or maybe they loved bacon. In fact, it started a hummus and bacon food cart, and then they heard about the laws against God's people eating pork, or, or maybe they married a woman outside the Jewish faith. Either way, when the people heard the law and realized how far they were from keeping it, The people mourned before God. And when Ezra heard the crying, he was thankful that the people had repented, but he noticed they were going way overboard. They were were more consumed, I think, with their grief than with obeying God at that point. So Ezra and the priests began to tell the people to stop crying, to realize the joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, not not the depression of the Lord. God wants them to change, but the best way for them to do that was by focusing on the joy that can be found in serving Jesus. You know, I think God wants us to repent, and repenting of sin will bring you grief. But I don't think you should wallow in your grief, because I think too much grief and mourning ends up being a sin as well. You need to repent, grieve over your sin, but then realize God is a forgiving God, abounding in mercy, and let the joy of serving Jesus move you forward. Well, the people eventually stop crying, and they begin to commit themselves to following Yahweh. The next day, just the heads of the family show up, you know, the heads of the various clans. And and they show up in front of Ezra, and they then hear more of the law and other books read to them with explanations so that the people could understand what was being read. And these leaders of these families, after hearing the second reading, were convicted further and decided to commit themselves to keeping the law. And then others beyond them decided to keep the law as well. One of the first things they did to commit themselves to keeping the law was to reinstate the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Bible is full of various feasts, right? The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated every autumn around late September or early October. And this feast celebrates how God protected and sheltered the people of Israel during their 40 years of wilderness wanderings. See, they failed to go into the promised land out of a lack of faith, and God said, you know what? You are going to have to wander around the desert for 40 years because of it. And they're led by Moses, and they wander for 40 years till a certain generation dies out, and then the younger generation who could still have faith in God entered the promised land under Joshua, and we sort of know that story. 
Well, to celebrate how God took care of them during the wilderness wanderings of those 40 years, that's why they had this Feast of Tabernacles. And it was commanded by God that the people celebrate this festival every year. But the people had neglected it. So as they heard the law being read to them, as the spirit of revival came to them, they all decided, hey, you know what? Since we're in September, and and since this, this, this festival isn't really celebrated until the 15th or the 22nd of this month, and, and we're only here at the second day of the month, and, and since they discovered these instructions on the second day of that seventh month, they thought, the timing is perfect. We have exactly two weeks to prepare for it. We can celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles all over again. We can start afresh. We can start anew. We still have time to keep this feast. So they command everyone, everyone to bring branches, to build shelters, because that's what you did during the Feast of Tabernacles. You built these shelters, and then you camped in them for seven days. As a whole nation, you went camping for seven days to celebrate this Feast of Tabernacles. Sounds like a fun celebration to me. Well, they commanded everybody to bring these branches, to build these shelters, so they could celebrate this festival. And the Bible says that the people of Israel celebrated good. In fact, the Bible says, not since the days of Joshua. That's hundreds of years earlier. Not since the days of Joshua had the people of Israel celebrated this festival as good as they did. For seven days they celebrated, and throughout those seven days, Ezra kept reading from the law, and the people heard the word of God again and again and again every day throughout those seven days, and they committed to obeying it. It was a wonderful time. Then, on the day after the celebration, The people showed up in their clothes of mourning. They were all wearing something called sackcloth, which is this really itchy camel hair, and it's just irritating to your skin, and it's terrible to wear. And and then they placed ashes on their heads and their faces, and this is mourning clothing, clothing that you mourned in. They were mourning before God and showing how much they wanted to repent of their sins. That's why they were wearing this itchy clothing and the ashes. And so Ezra read from the law on this day, you know, the day after the Feast of Tabernacles, they all show up ready to mourn. Well, Ezra reads from the law for a fourth of the day. And then the Bible says for another fourth of the day, basically the rest of that day, while it's still light, the people confessed their sins before God. They prayed before God, confessing their sins, asking for his mercy. And then the Levitical priests stood on the platform that they had built earlier for Ezra to read from. And they encouraged the people in repentance. And these priests on this platform shouted out praises to God and then rehearsed for the people the goodness of God, telling them all the wonderful works that Yahweh had done for the people of Israel from leaving Egypt onwards. 
miracle after miracle and they rehearsed in front of the people the goodness and the graciousness of almighty Yahweh so that they would remember what a wonderful God they served. At the end of it, the people decided to commit themselves to doing right before God. Specifically, they committed themselves to a couple of things. First of all, A, they committed themselves to avoidance of intermarriage. They were no longer going to marry anyone outside of the Jewish faith. And then number two, they were going to keep the Sabbath. And, and then they were going to keep the sabbatical year, which means every seven years they were going to let some of the land go fallow or let their servants go free or, or, or retire debts, you know, that year of Jubilee. And then every Saturday they were going to celebrate the Sabbath. They were going to stop working, take that day off. So they committed themselves to not marry outside the faith. They committed themselves to keeping the Sabbath in the sabbatical year, they then thirdly said, you know what? We are going to support the temple. We're going to start tithing again, and we're going to start making sure the fires are lit and the altars are continually burning. And the people stated, we will not neglect the house of our God. And the heads of families and state officials signed a seal, and, and they made a vow before God that they would follow through on this. And then the rest of the people also committed themselves to obeying the words of the law. Man, revival. Revival had come to this exiled community. They were committed more than ever in following the ways of the Lord. Then Nehemiah dedicated the walls around Jerusalem. Nehemiah called for all the Levitical people priests to show up and they sacrificed animals and then they took the blood and splattered that blood on the walls in a purification ceremony. Then Nehemiah asked for two large choirs to go stand on top of the wall. Now this was done, I think, obviously to show Tobiah. Remember him? Sanballat and Tobiah kept mocking them as they built the wall. Well, I think he's having these two large choirs stand on top of the wall to show Tobiah, especially Tobiah, that the walls around Jerusalem were strong and they could easily stand. Not only the weight of a fox, remember Tobiah mocked them, he can't stand the weight of a fox, that's how weak the walls are. Well, look, there are two choirs standing on top of the wall. It can stand the weight of a fox as well as two massive choirs. Nehemiah can imagine this raising his hands in triumph and saying, Hey, look now, Tobiah. Well, then these two choirs, they began to sing. And as they sung, they went in different directions on the wall, one in a clockwise fashion, the other in a counterclockwise fashion. The choirs sang as they celebrated God's goodness, and both choirs started at the same place but ended up at different gates, but both ended up by the temple. And there, they eventually walked down to the temple and began to sing praises to God. And they eventually both ended up inside the temple singing praises. And as Nehemiah said, on that day, Nehemiah 12, verse 43, on that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. 
the women and children also celebrated, and Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. Yes, everything has ended well. Right? Right? It's a happy ending to this story. Jerusalem has a wall, right? The people are pursuing God. Revival has come, right? All's well. That ends well, right? The people are singing and rejoicing and saying that God is their joy, right? The joy of the Lord is their strength. Everything is great, right? Well, not exactly. Little did Nehemiah know that there was trouble brewing on the horizon. And if you want to know what that trouble was, come back next week. But for now, just think about how the joy of the Lord should be our strength. No matter how difficult our circumstances that we're facing, no matter how big a mountain we have to climb, maybe it's health, maybe it's financial, maybe it's discouragement, depression, I don't know, but you've got to remind yourself of the joy of the Lord is what has helped these people build this wall, has helped Nehemiah accomplish this great task. It wasn't the fear of the Lord. It was the joy of the Lord. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week. 